Welcome to the Black Belter Podcast. You're listening to episode 9. Not much to say other than thanks very much to the people who continue to share the podcast on their social media. It's greatly appreciated and really helps the podcast grow. It would be a big help if the people who haven't shared it but do enjoy the show, if you could share it to your social media, like adding it to your story, that'd be a big help. And like I said, it's greatly appreciated and helps the podcast grow. Today's guest is Ryan Shelley, and Ryan is an extremely decorated fighter having been ITF Taekwondo World Champion and four times European Champion. In kickboxing, he's been WACO World Champion and multiple times Irish Open Champion. Since 2017, Ryan has started competing in MMA out of Team KF and Swords. Today I chat to Ryan about his time in Taekwondo and kickboxing and his plans going forward in MMA. So what's up, man? I'm not much, how are you? Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's great to have a chat. It's been a while, actually, since we had a chat. Yeah, it's been a good while, hasn't it? But uh, what what are you making of all this uh, COVID nineteen crack? It's crazy, man. Like to be honest with you, like we've never experienced anything like this before. Like me and Adam are only talking. Like everything that I'm used to, like that's normal for us. Like college, that's off at the moment. Training, the gym's closed. You know, so yeah. there was a few days there at the start where we were like, "What are we gonna do with ourselves?" You know, but uh, it's just like you know, as as they say, you just need to adapt to these things. So. We've been belting out like the the weights and the running. That's pretty much all yeah, we've been I was doing. Yeah, gonna say, have you been doing much training at home? Yeah, like? yeah. Like we've been joking and saying I'm gonna, we're all gonna come back like two weight divisions heavier. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I've been I've been checking the weight. Like I'm getting a little bit heavier, but I'm doing all right. So it's all good. I haven't stepped near the scales now in a while since all this uh, kicked yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. Best since the Euros has been off, I've just stayed away from it. Been like, okay, we'll just pack that. So, but I hope I, I'd say I'm not too heavy. Like maybe. Yeah. Maybe a kilo sure, or two. Like, to go up a couple of kilos is fine, like, you know, provided that once everything kicks off again. Uh, do you know what I find, actually? It's a funny thing with me. When I start, like, when I start back sparring, I find the weight falls off me, like, genuinely, like, because, like, yeah, you yeah. fight pretty, pretty like, intense, you know? Yeah. And as soon as the, the sparring kicks off again, when we're sparring two, three times a week, I'm just, like, I'm, I'm, I'll be stepping on the scales and I'll be like, geez, like, the, the weight's really getting low. And that, that always helps coming up to fights, as you can imagine, like, you know? You had a, did you have a fight scheduled? Was yeah, can- so, canceled, yeah, I was supposed to be on a Cage Legacy on the 14th of March uh, against Sean McConnell. That was, that was going to be a really good fight, good man. Fight. Good fight, yeah. yeah really because, good. like, Sean's background is, uh, it's like WTF Taekwondo. So, for anyone that, that wouldn't know, like, obviously, we come from ITF Taekwondo. It's more traditional. And he would have been Olympic-style Taekwondo, which is predominantly kicks. So that fight was supposed to uh, go ahead. So that got confirmed like before Christmas, you know. So I knew yeah. that that fight was going to happen for a long time. So put in a serious like training camp. Like the, the guts, uh, I think it was pretty much just 12 weeks. Like because as soon as I found out about it, I started training. And then, you know, the week off, my dad was saying to me, he was like, listen, like, you know, I, I think this might be cancelled. And obviously I was being a bit stubborn, you know, I was like, nah, I'm grand. Like, you know. But uh, yeah, yeah. like it's gonna go ahead, no problem. And then on Thursday, the Thursday before the first uh, government announcement was made, it was like uh, they 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 were advising people not to go ahead with gatherings over a hundred people. So then, like me and Adam listened to that, and we we're like, oh, no, this this isn't looking too good. And then uh, the guy who organises the thing, uh, Declan Kenna, he uh, he had up then at about it would have been about two or three o'clock in the afternoon. He was like, sorry guys, unfortunately you have to cancel. It's just one of them. One of them things, you know, can't be avoided. So, and, uh, like, wasn't it? Like, yeah, like, so... That like, far in the week, like... Exactly, exactly. You know, now, the, the lucky thing for me was I didn't have to put weight for that fight. 
uh, because okay. the the rules are a little bit different down here in the Republic of Ireland. So I was meant to be doing a seventy kilo same day weigh in. That's what the fight was contracted for. So like I remember checking my weight on a on Thursday morning and being like seventy one, and I only need to be seventy point five by Saturday. So I wasn't cutting or anything like that, which which was which did make it that little bit easier, you know. He didn't go straight for the pizza then. Did you see that with uh with Mick Conlon? As soon yeah, as he, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was straight in Do with a pizza. What? We we went straight to Nando's actually. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was good. Close now, huh? It's close now. I know. Yeah, yeah. I seen that they're only <laughs> doing um, they're only doing collections. I actually I I rocked up in to Nando's in Blanchetown there the other day, expecting to sit in, and I was like, oh, collections only. I was like, this one, you know, it's getting serious. When Nando's <laughs> is closing down, did you see McDonald's closed down there? Turned, yeah, uh, yeah. Only the other day on Monday, wasn't it? At Supermax as well. Supermax is closing ah, as well. That's Domino's. Serious. Domino's closed. Domino's are still doing uh, deliveries. Delivery, okay, yeah. Yeah, so not, they're keeping us going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's uh, all good. Uh, for anybody, actually, like most people, I suppose, it's going to be fairly similar to Adam's story. So anybody mm-hmm. who listened to the first episode of the podcast might yeah. kind of know the situation. But how did you start Taekwondo and how did you get into it? Um, so basically, we started Taekwondo in uh, 2001. So like, I remember thinking... Uh, just before we started, like I don't think I was even quite five. I was like four, and I was almost yeah. turning five. You know, so I don't even remember my first day or anything like this. It was the sort of thing where my dad wanted. You know, he always had a keen interest in martial arts, and he wanted to get us in. I think he was more leaning towards the lines of boxing. You know, he maybe putting us into yeah. boxing, and I don't think my mom was too gone on that idea. So they sort of found karate slash taekwondo. They they said they they'd settle on one of them things. And the Taekwondo Club had recently opened up uh, around where we were living in Swords at the time. Yeah. It wasn't that. It wasn't that. It was only about a year or two old. So um, my dad was like grand. Like, so he brought the three of us. And uh, so again, it was mainly for Adam and Alex, my two older brothers, you know. So they, they were really the ones I wanted to start. And then I think I was just sort of tagging along, you know, at that point. And uh, the instructor said he'd, he'd take me as well. So... We did that for about one or two years, and you know, again, like it was, it was good training. Like it was mainly just fun at that age, if you get me. And yeah. then uh, we we moved to Australia. Then, um, with the whole family, we decided to up and leave. Like my my mom and dad were thinking about it for a while, and they said now is a good time. So we took a year out, and went to Australia. Uh, we did a bit of taekwondo over there. That was actually Olympic style taekwondo that we did over there. It was a WTF. And yeah, again, yeah. you know, uh, all all this time I had been playing football and doing taekwondo and just you know I, I always saw the two was fun and I'm, I'm pretty much where it changed was when we when we came back to Ireland then after a year and uh, we started in Cholester taekwondo with with Niall Jones who like we're pretty much still with today with Niall and um, that's when that's when I really sort of fell in love with the sport and you know Adam would say the same and you know as we went up the grades and we started competing and then I was like, ah, you know, I could, I could really see a future in this sport. And um, that, it really just took off from there. You know, me, Adam and Alex went right through, got the black belt. Um, and then, like, I remember me and Adam having conversations years ago. And, and he used to be like to me, uh, oh, you know, like, when you, when you get your black belt, you're able to try out for this thing called the Irish team. And I remember yeah. being like, no way, like that, that seems pretty cool. Like, and, and we, we watched a few YouTube, when we were getting big at the time, we were watching YouTube videos of competitions and stuff like that. And I think it was from pretty much that point on, about 
2008-2009 in around Black Belt time that we were like yeah definitely I want to start competing on the national team and then sort of just for anyone that knows the story uh, sky was the limit from there you know uh, Adam started competing first uh, Alex had to leave and certainly went into full time work so he sort of dropped off then at that point but Adam was the first one competing so he would have went to Argentina which was the world championships and then Sweden you you yourself you're in Sweden yeah, my first and then he did uh, New Zealand which was another world so I think what was big for me was you know Adam had been away three times before I was even away once you know because I wasn't able to with my age and yeah. uh, one of them tournaments in particular I went with my dad to Sweden you know yeah, it was massive. like so I think looking back on it now I was like getting the experience of doing them competitions without even having to do them and go through the, the tough defeats that like most of you yeah, guys would have had to go through, you know? Like I think for a lot of people it was like they just sort of learned on the job. You know, they'd go, you know, maybe some things didn't go right for them and then they, they'd come back to the drawing board in Ireland and then they'd fix the things and then go away again. So it was a little bit of trial and error for a few years. But with the likes of myself and like a few others that came then after me, we sort of, we had that experience without really knowing and so then when we went to compete we were sort of at that level straight away if you know what I'm saying yeah because definitely when you I feel like when you go to a tournament a championships at that level you do need the first one to kind of at least the first one to kind of go alright this is what this thing is about this is exactly. uh, this is what definitely. a good, le- this what a few, good level looks there's like. a few surprises or curveballs in there you know yeah you just you just you kind of you, know, look, you end up looking and going okay that's, that's what I have to be like if I'm going to win and then yeah. you, like you said you go away then you try and Trying to achieve that level, but yeah, I think Sweden was massive for you, like to go to that one and to just see it, and yeah. even like whatever. Not even that the fact of it wasn't just that Adam was coming back telling you what it was like to to be that you were actually there, like you got to feel the atmosphere, like you were ringside, got to watch, yeah. saw people win some medals. So I think that was massive for you, like to be exactly. Able. Like you, uh, you know, there's a funny one actually. Uh, I don't know if you know. There's there's a picture of a. Uh, I've seen it, yeah, yeah. Rich, Have you seen yeah. that one? Uh, just that's after, a, that's I'll, a great I'll try picture. put that up when I find it again. There's a picture of Richie Ford just after he won the Europeans, and like obviously all the Irish gang throwing him up, and I was just sort of like looking on in amazement, like you know, yeah, yeah. And uh, all the lads like me about that one. They're sort of like, that's where the inspiration came from. Like seeing Richie <laughs> gonna be like, oh, I want that, like you know. <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah that's a great picture yeah there in the red yeah, hoodie cool. Richie actually mentioned it in the podcast he did as well that's right yeah yeah, yeah I remember that yeah. but like yeah. when you think about it like it's actually one of them it's almost like a light bulb moment you know where like you go away like fair enough you hear about the, the national tri- the national team and the trips away and you hear about how good they are but actually seeing it there and being at the competitions like you know yourself like the atmosphere when you walk into competition day on like the first day and everything sort of just gets real and you're like, wow, this, this is the real stuff. Like, And then seeing that, seeing the likes of Richie win and other people win, I was like, I definitely want that, you know? <clears throat> yeah. So I think then that kind of leads to then that you ended up stepping over at your first European Championships and winning. <laughs> yeah, Slovakia in 2011. Uh, I went away again. So like, looking it's back... It's a very like, short list yeah. of people who have done that, like... Of people who stepped yeah. out of the first championships and and won, it's a short list. Very few, I think. Yeah, yeah. I I, I know myself, Dylan Fitz, and I don't know, maybe one or two others. Yeah, maybe in Ireland. But um, basically, yes, the Slovakia 2011. I was going over, you know, with the, you know, you, you always have high hopes for yourself. But I remember being like, I'll see how this goes. If if I go out first or second round, I won't be 
totally disappointed because I know that there's a learning curve involved. But I also see myself like going through a couple of rounds and maybe getting a medal. Getting a gold medal was maybe a bit of a stretch, you know? Yeah, but as yeah. I started going through the rounds, I remember being like, I had a terrible first fight, you know, because I had a, I had a tough draw. I had Timothy Boss in the first round and who, uh, went, who went on to become a, a bit of a rival yeah, yeah. at that point. You know, we, we fought a good few times over the years, which was brilliant. But uh, after I got through that first one, like, and we got sick after the fight and all. It was like my first international fight. It was my first time ever being on a plane to go to a Taekwondo trip, you know, and just happened to be the Europeans. And so after that one, I remember being like, ah, that's, that's me pretty much done. And I was like, I'll go out for the second fight, see who I am scrape through that one then i was like coming into the third and i was like feel a little bit better got through that one and then i was like all right i'm in the final now i might as well just go all out <laughs> might, you know, might as well give it a go to catch yeah. That year. yeah good year very good year and obviously adam won as well so that then makes it that was, that was, that was oh, a double oh, bonus oh, like you know and, yeah, and yeah. he'd been he'd been really pushing like and i think that that was his fourth try at a, at a championship you know and it just it was sort of like the perfect storm you know it, it came together the both of us one that was his it was his last junior competition and my first junior competition and you know one thing I forgot to mention we had we had started kickboxing that year as well uh, we were kickboxing in the March March 2011 that's when we started uh, with Robbie Ha and you know I, I found that our game took a massive jump when we started kickboxing you know and then we found that the blend between so we we're getting a lot of sparring from the kickboxing and then the skills from the taekwondo and this it was just it was a great mix together and that got us our two gold medals and we were delighted with that. Yeah, I like that. With the kickboxing, do you think that it was just getting more sparring rounds or do you think it was maybe some more different ta- different approach to uh, get, get, getting a different approach of uh, the tactics you might use in the fight? Or was it just mm. you, uh, you just got in more rounds? That Definitely. Just- I feel like the main thing was that there were more rounds being done than ever, you know, so instead of sparring once or twice a week, we were like up in the sparring to like four four days a week where we're getting sparring in now. Obviously not all heavy days, but yeah. we were putting the gear on, you know, four or five times a week, which which is a big thing. And second of all, I think the the introduction of the points fighting was a big thing. You know, uh, points started getting really big around then, uh, especially people that were crossing over from Taekwondo and kickboxing. And I found it just helped with that extra bit of sharpness. And yeah. You know, for, for the likes of the lead leg and blitzing and things like that, it was just just gave you a little sharpness that wasn't wasn't just there yet in Taekwondo. That was that would slowly come there in the in the next year or two after. But I think we just got there a little bit early, and that that helped us get through a good few other rounds over there. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, was Slovakia as well. Was that the first one that your mum got to go to? Yeah, yeah. That was her first international. Yeah, um, yeah. So I remember her saying after that, like. Her heart rate was through the roof, like especially when me and Adam were fighting because, you know, it, what happened was just, you know, yourself with the clash of how the schedules was happening with the competitions, I'd literally be on one ring and then two minutes later, Adam would be on another ring, you know, yeah, and they yeah. just ha- kept having to go back and forth. And uh, so that, that was a stressful tournament for them. So it was good to see them as well and, and have them there for that, for that moment because it that was a big one for us, you know. Yeah. Like you said, it was the first time the both of us had won. So that was a big deal. Good to have the both of them there. Yeah, so not like even obviously the world's in Ireland having family there. It's the only time my mum and dad or my sister. Well, my sister obviously has been on the team, but it's the only time my mum and dad have been at a tournament like yeah. that. So to actually, to the win and have them there like that's always exactly. a great, it's a great bonus. It, like yeah. it's it's without a question for me. You know, whenever anyone asks like favorite martial arts moment or anything like that, I find a lot of people struggle with that question. 
no doubt for me, 100%, without doubt, the, the world's in Ireland. Worlds in 2017 Aye. that happened in Ireland. You know, even that trucks, my first win, my first kickboxing win, now I, like, the Worlds in Ireland was, was a special one because it was the first time the Taekwondo had ever held the World Championships in Ireland. Like you said, all your family being there and your friends there, which was such a weird one, you know? Usually yeah, yeah. we're used to jetting off on a plane and going up to Ukraine or somewhere, somewhere mad like that, you know? So to just go across, across the M50 to City West, that was a real strange one. And then on top of that, having yourself win 57, I won 63, Adam won 70, and Colin won 78. That, like, that's never been done before. And then we got the oh. team spine as well. That, that, that's that's record-breaking stuff for Taekwondo. That was the thing. Like, yeah, it was the... That was... It, it even made it even better. It wasn't the fact that I found, like, even just that I won. It was, like, the other three, like, you and the other two lads won as well. It was just, like, it was like oh, this yeah. is just unreal. And it's funny, like, I, I remember being a... Like, I was going through the rounds, and, like, I glanced to my right, and I'd see you going through the rounds, and I'd be like, Jamie's doing pretty well. But look to the left, and I'd see Colm going through the rounds, and, like, he's doing well. And then, obviously, I'd seen Adam up on the center stage, and he was doing pretty good as well. And I was like, geez, we're all, we're all looking pretty good here. Yeah, and I was like, the exact uh, same, I was, yeah. Yeah, I was explaining that for anyone, like, that doesn't know about Taekwondo. Like, for, for a Taekwondo competition, you know, there could be 10 areas going at the one time in a big, yeah. wide arena. You know, and let's say the Saturday is usually always such a busy day and there's so many divisions on and it's just chaos. Like, so realistically, you're only focused on yourself, you know, because yeah. you can't be, you can't be looking around seeing who's doing what, but just every now and then before I'd be going out, I'd, I'd throw a little glance and I'd be like, ah, it's good, good to see the lads doing well. And that, yeah. I, I think that helped me as well, you know, like morally, it just, uh, it just helped everyone because, you know, I was looking around and seeing everyone else winning. And I'm like, I may as well go out and do the same. So it was all good. Yeah. So I remember after, I think it was, I think it was maybe my first fight, I came back and I think you had what I was like, said to you, I was like, oh, did you go on yet? Yeah, true to the next round. And then uh, Colin was yeah. sitting up in the corner and I was like, Colin, did you go on yet? Yeah, true to the next round. And he was like, oh yeah, and Adam's yeah. on there now next. It's like, oh yeah, go on the lads. We're, we're Crazy. It was, it was brilliant. Like, and remember even like you said, that's something, that's something I'll never forget. Like, you know? Remember as well, they had the, they had the lunch break before the semifinals. And then it was so I was on what the ring in the corner, and then you were on one. So, like you said, it was like three rings in a row, three semi-finals. Boom, boom, boom. That was chaos. Yeah. And on the video I have, on the video I have, it's like I like you hear people cheer like "Well done, Jamie," and then like you hear like "Well done, Ryan," and then "Well done, Colin." It's like boom, 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 three rings in a row. That's brilliant. It's it's like like you said, um, not to my knowledge, I don't think anything like that has ever happened where like four people from the same from the same country, win gold medals in individual events and then take the team as well. So it was crazy. Yeah, and then, so. like you said, to do that in Ireland then was extra special, you know? Yeah, because even do you remember we were sitting in the warm-up area waiting for the finals and uh, the guy from the English chap came over and he was like, oh, how'd you get on? And he said, I'm in the final. And uh, yeah. how'd you get on? I'm in the final. So how'd you get on? Yeah. All of us were in the final and even he was like, that's it, Holy exactly. shit. It was like, yeah. fuck. So like, but yeah. like yeah. Um, I think you're the same with this one. I, I remember at that competition, that was the first time where like, you know, not, not to blow the ego or anything like that, but like there, you had some younger kids coming up and asking you for photos, you know? And like, I found that one a bit <laughs> yeah. like, wow, this, this is mad, yeah, like, was, you know, because yeah, that had never different. happened to us before, you know? We're like, 
like little celebrities floating around Sydney West. And don't get me wrong, I was just, loving that as well. Like. <laughs> I ah, uh, but like just for that for that that, that little shot in the time, like you you were yeah. is you're king of the world, like yeah. I was it was a golden week, you know, it was a golden week, and you know that's um, it's part of the reason why like after that week when when everything settled down, then like so that was October 2017, and I was thinking like you know, you know I was I'm starting to think about next year. 2018 yeah. and what my plans were going to be and I was thinking you know am I going to do the same again because first things first I, I said I said to myself I had to move up a weight division because cutting down to 63 kilos it was killing me um, like when I remember back to the worlds in Ireland I remember being pretty on top of it and like with five days out being like 70 you know and then got down to 63 and now I know to, to some MMA fighters out there like seven kilos in a week they'll be like ah oh, that's that's not a whole lot but when you're built like me like tall and skinny you know and then <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. not I'm not heavy and heavy as it is and then happen to lose seven kilos on top of that it's like trying to bleed the weight out so I really found that difficult and um, it was coming to the stage actually where like because I had fought 63 a few times and it was starting to take the fun out of it for me a little bit you know I was I was loving the fighting. But I was like, I'm not looking forward to this weight cutting thing. So I was like, I said, if I'm going to do Taekwondo next year, I'm moving up to 70. And that was, that was going to be it. And then right around that time, so fast forward to November 2017, a month later, that's when I started in, in Team KF out in Swords with the MMA. And um, I remember thinking then, you know, I'm probably going to take the year out in Taekwondo. Like, I, I had made no concrete plans. You know, I, I didn't say oh, that's it, I'm done with Taekwondo and kickboxing and I'm just going straight into MMA. I said, I said to myself, I'd give it a year. And then, you know, yourself, it just sort of spiraled after that and I started fighting and, you know, the rest is history, as they say. Yeah, that's why Adam had kind of the same plan. So, yeah. you know, again, you were both kind of transitioning over to... Exactly. Uh, Adam, Adam's was a tiny bit different to mine because he would have been really, really busy with college around that time as well. So, I started in November. He got going around... January 2018 okay, so right. I had about two months ahead of him and then during that time as well you know he was very busy he was doing his internship with like the Dublin team for GAA and stuff like that so he was only getting down maybe once or twice a week where I was sort of flat out four or five times a week and it was one of the times I can't That's remember you're talking was it yeah 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 I'm telling <laughs> that story I'm telling that story it was a couple of months in and because it, it Takamandu as well he had joined similar enough to the same time as me and Adam, a little bit before us. So the three of us sort of all saw ourselves at the same level of grapple, me, Adam and Taka. And Adam came down one night and me and Taka trimmed them. You know, we, we, we subbed them once or twice anyway. And then me and Adam were going home in the car and he was like, you know, that's it. And like, like he needed that, you know, he knew to himself that if he wanted to give, get a good stab at this, he needed to put the work in and uh, allocate the time for it. And he did that and, you know, he's at a good level now. So. You know, I think that's something he needed. You, you you coached him up, like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we showed him the ropes, like, you know. <laughs> Not like a few chokes to get you learning. <laughs> uh, I'm sure he's going to appreciate you telling that story now, right, as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think he's told it before, so he, he knows it's just <laughs> part of it now at this stage. He doesn't mind. Yeah. Uh, was, is, uh, was he man meant to fight recently as well, was he? He was meant to fight? Yeah, so, like, similar situation... <laughs> Yeah. He was a he, he was he had one or two injuries at the start of this year, so um, he, he was he was never actually set to fight, but the injuries just sort of prevailed. And now because the same thing with this uh, 
this whole coronavirus, it just has everything up in the air. No one has no one has fights planned yet or no one really uh, no one really knows what to do in terms of training. I, I would have liked to get one in around February, you know. Looking back now yeah. in, in hindsight that would have been a good thing, but I just said I'd hold off to this March fourteenth one because I knew that was gonna be a big fight and just it just came at a bad time, you know, and um look we we're here now and hopefully yeah. I'm hoping that everything's done with by May or June or something like that, like at a push maybe we might get there and then it's just going to be right back to fighting. I'm not really going to, I'm not going to take the summer off. I'm going to go right through because I'm seeing this as a bit of time off and whenever yeah. this clears up, I want to get fighting again straight away. Yeah, because the gym was flying, wasn't it? Like, oh, it was doing so well. Gym, like, gym, it still is, like, yeah. Yeah. But um, basically, so last year was, was a huge year for the gym. James Webb, at the start of last year, caught the uh, he won the Cage Warriors middleweight middleweight title. So like it's for for James, he's sort of like leading our gym from the front. You know, he's competing at the highest level. He's ve- like he's he's knocking on the door to UFC. You know, and then obviously there's there's Ian Gary who you'd know as well. Um, he's getting very popular here. Ian's three and and like when when you talk about prospects, he's he's one of the most talked about prospects in Ireland at the moment. And Thank then you. under underneath Ian then there's like sorry there's Dylan Shook as well uh, Dylan's back fighting now like and to be to be sparring with the likes of Ian Dylan and the rest of the Amis like it's it's amazing like you know like I just seen I actually seen the improvements in my game over the last couple of months it just you know like you know yourself when you're training with high level people you have to learn and adapt and you're going to become that high level as well so you're a product yeah, of your yeah. environment almost that's how I look at it but um and then underneath the, the pro lads, there's a bunch of amateur fighters just waiting. And like a lot of them are young as well, like 17, 18, 19. And we're just all ready to get fighting and turn professional eventually someday. And Chris was back. Chris is back as well. Well, un- until this whole situation yeah, got, yeah. got messed things up, uh, Chris announced his, his comeback for Cage Warriors. And that was meant to be Birmingham in April. Obviously, that's off now. But... Um, now I don't know what the plans with the with the UFC are, but like surely my a lot of our thinking was if Chris got a win on Birmingham, surely he'd be you know the UFC would have snapped him up for the for the Dublin card in August. But it because when you when you talk about pioneers, like he's been there from the get go, like you know he's been there from, since day yeah, one. One of, the, one he of them was on the did. first wave of Irish MMA, yeah. so you know I think it'd be a shame not to have him. On. Yeah, and he's one of the few guys. Who would have came through like that? Still fight? Who would have been still fighting? And one of the yeah. few ones, I suppose, around there that wouldn't be uh, that isn't signed with Bellator. So like, exactly, uh, yeah. Like um, I think I I don't think he ever had any fights with Bellator, but I think like no, he I won the so. he won the Cage Warriors middleweight belt yeah. a good few years back, and I think he's always just sort of had a strong connection with Cage Warriors, you know, because they're it's a solid route and it's it's a very direct route to the UFC. So if you can get yourself a, a Cage Warriors title, you're you're either one or two fights away, or you're pretty much there. You're knocking on the door at UFC, so it's a it's a good path to go. It's the path that I hope to go. And most of the like when I'm looking at Ian, and I see the way that he's doing it. When when I turn pro, like that's the same way that I want to do it now. You know, I want to yeah. have as many fights as I can. I want to get to cage wires eventually, and you know, hopefully when the time comes, snap up a belt. You know, but um, like obviously. You need to prove it at amateur first, like so. The the rule basically in our gym is, Chris gives you the nod to turn professional. 
you know obviously like I can't decide I want to go professional tomorrow he gives you the nod so uh, after my last win on the that would have been Budo on the 7th of December uh, that was in Bolton Chris was like you know I was sort of thinking you know I was like this could be it after and uh, me and Chris had a good chat and he was like listen I want you to finish college first before before we decide to turn pro and so I had a little think about it and I was like definitely that's the right call you know so I finished college in May uh, I'd like to have one more fight, one more amateur fight, and provided that that goes well, then turn pro in the in the summertime, maybe July or August. That's if everything if everything went well. That's how I'd see it go. Yeah. So you're what are you amateur? What's what's the record at the moment? Three and uh, one. Four and one. Four, four and one. Or four wins uh, and loss. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, it's not really like it's a lot different to to box an amateur like you don't want it's only you know, exactly yeah like if you had amateur 10 amateur boxing. fights if you had 10 amateur fights in mma like that's that's a lot really exactly exactly like i did find that you know um although like they, they are only amateur fights they're three three minute rounds but like almost after every single fight you have you'll pick up a niggle after whether it's something with your feet or shins or something like that you know because the only real difference is between the amateur and pro, obviously the time between three threes and three fives, but also the fact that uh, no knees to the head or elbows. But everything yeah. else is in, you know. You're, you're walking in there barefoot, tops off, all that, all that buzz. And, um, and like you're getting in there for, for a real fight with someone, you know. So after every fight, I was always like, oh, I've a little bit of a niggle here, a little bit of a niggle there. But, you know, you still just keep training and try to get as many fights in as you can. Like, in terms of amateur, I'm not too concerned about my record. Obviously, I want, I'm going in there looking to win every single fight. But if it came to it where you had, like, a couple of wins, a couple of losses, I'd see that as, you know, you learn from them and get all them mistakes yeah. out of the way before you turn pro. Because you don't want yeah. any defeats as a pro, obviously, if you can. But, like, that, when you go pro... This clean slate again. You're you're all exactly. Off, you go back to zero, zero. So yeah, like yeah, a, a lot of people, yeah. I think, are in a bit of a rush to turn pro. It's like amateur is like a blessing in disguise. You know, it's like you make all the mistakes. Like obviously, there's there's a learning curve. Like we said about the taekwondo thing, nobody goes away first time and wins. You know, it's it's similar enough with with amateur MMA. Nobody comes out and just dusts everybody that they fight and knows knows pretty much everything there is to know about MMA. There's a lot of mistakes that you're going to make along the way. So make them at amateur level and bait your feet. And then when it comes to turning pro, you should be at the level then. That's how I see it. And do you, would you expect to go straight into Cage Warriors when you turn pro? or you think um, Probably not. No, like uh, Cage Warriors, I don't, they, rarely they take people that, are, that would be 0-0. Zero, zero. I, know, I know Ian uh, jumped in, but that was a, a late replacement. You know, Ian yeah. was... Ian was actually meant to fight on Cage Legacy, just a domestic Irish show. And then uh, his opponent, James Sheen, James's guy that he was supposed to fight, pulled out. And Ian yeah. took that fight on like eight days' notice. So, you know, that was a war. For, for Ian, say that again. That was a war. It was a war, yeah. And like for <laughs> Ian, it was a bit of a risk because James like had a serious amateur career, you know, and he was, yeah. James is a really good fighter. I rate him, rate him very high. And Ian went in there, you know, eight days notice. Yeah, sure, you've been training, but eight days notice to make your pro debut, that's, that was risky. And it was a bit gutsy from Ian, you know, but, like, that's, that's who he is. Like, you know, he, he jumped especially sort of opportunity. Like you said, especially yeah. with the jump up in, in round length, like, if you're prepared. Exactly, for, yeah, yeah, from going from three was, threes to three fives. And like you said, it was an absolute war, you know. Yeah, it was a great fight. Yeah. I was actually a cage side, but Ian, like, 
me, Chris, and uh, Matt Black, a guy from the club, me, we did Ian's corner for that fight. And it was my first time ever being in the corner, like, and especially for a pro debut. And again, it was one of them things where I was a bit like, a bit like Sweden. Like, this, like Sweden. Yeah, I, I heard the clatters, you know, from both sides. Yeah. And I was like, this is the real deal here. But like, again, it all motivates me. So, do you find a, do you find a buzz before an MMA fight is much different to the fight, but the, the buzz before a taekwondo fight? Quite different. Quite different now, I have to say. I'd imagine so. Um, yeah. yeah. Like with, with taekwondo, uh, do you know what? Do you know what I did actually the other day? I counted up or I tried my best to count up all the fights between taekwondo and kickboxing that I had. Uh, I was at, I got 260 something, in and around 260, right? So yeah. after all them fights, it became a thing to me where like, you know, sure, like you still get the, the jitters and the nerves before every single fight, like that never goes away, but you almost go, go out with expecting, you know, what's going to happen you know how it's going to go not saying yeah. that you're going to win every single fight but you know how it's most of the time going to play out um you don't fear MMA, uh, you don't fear getting hurt exactly exactly so the, that's the first thing you know you're like i'm going in here and i could get knocked out you know like knocked out cold the second thing is you know i think there's there's something a little bit different to getting in the cage with another person you know and you hear that like that distinct thing when the door closes, it goes like click, click, like, and you're like, right, I'm in here now, you know? And, you know, it's like I'm either winning this fight, I'm going to lose it, or the ref is going to, you know, have to separate us and intervene. So it's, it's a little bit like that sink or swim thing. And um, yeah. again, I just, so sure, like the nerves are the same, but I, I get a real buzz off fighting in the MMA. So, um, yeah, that, get, that gets me, that really gets me going. And if I has... Because you had a few K1 fights. Is the buzz even different from K1 to MMA? Even, even right. a little bit different. Now, I found K1 was, was pretty good. Like, that was, that was a nice bridge to gap, you know, because yeah. uh, I was like, I remember thinking, I'm not going to go straight from fighting Taekwondo and kickboxing and then jump straight into MMA. I'm not going to do that. So I had a few ring fights with the K1. That was in about 2018. And they were great, you know. Again, so similar, similar scenario. Uh, like, it's a fight night, walking out into the ring in there with another person and you're in there for like a couple of rounds, not just two, two minute rounds. So the jumping yeah. in time was a little bit different as well. So the K1 fights were, were a great bridge to, to get between Taekwondo and MMA. Still not, not quite the cage. <laughs> no, no, that's it, like, it's one of them things. Um, I had been training flat out for a good while and it was funny. It was, it was one of Adam's fights. Adam was over in Liverpool with Chris and I was, uh, I was just in the house on, on, a, on a Friday and uh, I was going over to Adam on Saturday morning over to Liverpool to, to be there for his fight and Chris texted me on the Friday night being like uh, would you like to fight next weekend and I was like uh, yeah definitely and you know sort of being like is this going to happen you know I was like well listen yeah. you know Adam's fight is on tomorrow I'll see what the story is there and uh, went over on Saturday morning Adam fought he, uh, he he actually lost that fight, but you know, fucking do. Um, and we're in the hotel then afterwards, and we we're just chatting away. And Chris said to me, he was like, "Oh, and by the way, you're fighting next next Saturday." So I was like, "Okay," and just you know, straight away, what sort of what hits you is like, "Am I ready?" You know, because yeah, I've been yeah. doing all the training, I had the K one fights, I knew that this this was gonna come eventually, and now it's like before I know, it's like, all right, it's next Saturday, you know. So it's sort of like. Have I done enough? 
what's my ground game like? What's my takedown defense like? All these things I started to question. But then I was like, listen, there's never, there's never going to be a time where you're like, yeah, I'm ready to go. So I was like, let's just, let's just get it done now. And I got the win. So I was happy with that. Yeah. But like that, if it goes wrong, like you said, if it goes wrong, maybe in Taekwondo, it's maybe you just lost. But if it can go wrong in MMA, you could be left sparked out. So you could looking up at the, at, at the lights, as they say. Yeah. It's a bit, it's a bit different. Put <laughs> it brutally. Uh, you're still, you haven't got the submission win yet, though, have you? No, Jamie, I'm, I'm absolutely. You've been, you've been close so many times. Uh, I don't know if you've seen my last fight on Buddha. Yeah. Um, so, like, on the third round, I, I knew I was winning the fight, and he was a tough guy that I fought. So, I was like, it's probably it's going to three rounds. So, I was just sort of moving around, picking shots. He shot in for a takedown, absolutely picked me up and slammed me onto the floor. And uh, he just sort of he, he charged in a little bit. And I had him in a triangle submission. So, like, I was on my back and I had it locked in. And everything I, I did pretty much right. Like, me and Chris talked about after one or two small little things. Like, I got, I got the arm in. I didn't drag it across, which could have helped with the choke. I hooked his leg, made the angle. And, I mean, I was just – I knew there was about 40 seconds left. So, I said, I'm just going to empty here. And I was squeezing as hard as I could in my legs because there's a little race between me, Adam, and Taka to see who can get the first submission win. No one has one yet. We have a bunch of KOs, but nobody yeah. has a submission win. So I was like, I'm going to be the first to get it. And the guy, I could hear him like he was, he was breathing like really badly and his face went like quite red. Like, and I was like, he's probably going to go out because he's a really tough guy. I didn't see him tapping. And then I heard the 10-second clapper and my leg started to shake. So I got the worst shakes in my leg that I've ever got before. Like, my leg started to tremble because I was squeezing so hard. And then the bell went. So I was like, look, I just missed it, but I was so close. Next time, maybe. You're probably lucky it was the last round because if you said if it was to go out and fight another round with the shaky legs. Oh, I could barely <laughs> even stand after that. So, so that's, yeah. It was sort of like a judgment call. I knew that this was the last round. So I was like, I'm just going to absolutely empty the legs here and try and finish them with the submission. But it wasn't today. Next time. Yeah, I think that's kind of, it's it's one thing that people maybe, if you haven't experienced it, like that you sometimes see, if you're watching a UFC fight or Bellator or mm. whatever, and you see, and they're going for a submission and there's the grappling and there's a submission yeah. attempt. And then they get up and they're wrecked after. You don't really realize how, how much that that is taken out of you, like having to squeeze like it takes it out of the arms, can take it out of the legs. You're kind of like, ah, sure, it can't have been that bad, but it, it's fatiguing. The, Absolutely. Surprisingly Absolutely. Fatiguing. And again, again, that's something that you can't really appreciate it when you're when you're watching it on telly. Uh, I'm sure something yeah. like the some of the some of the real fans know about it, but when you've been in there and like you're really squeezing on something, what let's say whether you're going for a choke or going for a, a triangle submission or anything like that, and and then you walk back to the corner, like in between rounds, and everything just feels heavy. And then for someone like myself who who likes to strike, I want to be nice and loose, you know, and I want to have pop yeah. in the shots. So that's why your conditioning for MMA needs to be so at such a good level because, like you said, you're going from striking. Someone could take you down and really wear on you. You need to be prepared to grapple, get back up and strike again, you know, so from striking to grappling back to striking. So that's something that we always make sure that, that we have good before the, before the fights, like the eight weeks leading up, we're like hammering the assault bike out of it. You know, we're doing a lot of, a lot of conditioning work. I do find that that helps with the fights. Definitely. 
yeah because i think maybe it comes from like the the boxing image that you know when it got when guys start to hold it's like they're looking for a break and then i think that can kind of sometimes maybe come into mma when you see a bit of grappling on the cage or you see it's like ah that's not tiring they're just taking a break when it's yeah. it is fatiguing it does take exactly. Out of- exactly that's why that's why when i look at the likes of Obviously, Khabib, you know, is, is probably the main man that you have to talk about there. Like, when, when I look at his level of grappling, I'm, I'm almost like, how is he keeping that pace up for... Now, I know he's been grappling his whole life, so that's probably why, but, like, he keeps that pace up for round after round, and they're five-minute rounds, and it's just a crazy pace. Like, so that's that's why he's the best in the world. He's got the yeah. technique to go with it, and he's crazy conditioned as well. I think he even saw that in the, the Poirier fight. Poirier obviously had the guillotine, yeah. and then exactly. he was... He was done after, like he was shot. Like he was. Oh, he definitely he burned his arms out, didn't he? Yeah, he did. And then well, Khabib then was still fresh to be able to get yeah. to to carry on and get the finish. So you see, even see it. it weird. There. I almost thought he had him with that guillotine. I thought he did too. I thought he was going to go out. Yeah. It was like, but because but there was a moment where you weren't sure if he had it. It was like he yeah. he attempted it, and then you're like, oh, that's not in. And then you were kind of like, oh, wait. It yeah, isn't. Is I've it, seen Khabib sort of panicking with the arms, like trying to trying to get out. And I was like, "Oh, hang on, he he's in this, you yeah. know." But then he kind of he, he kind of stepped around this mob, but then he kind of shifted his feet to kind of it took a bit of pressure yeah. off. I think he turned to the side like this, which gave him a bit of air to yeah. breathe. And then, uh, like you said, those just burned his burned his arms out. So um, that was that. I was gonna. I, I I have to ask you, who do you have for him and Tony? Uh, Tony. <laughs> I think, yeah. yeah, I've been saying I've been saying for a while that I think Tony be, Tony's the only person that can beat him. I think right, stand, right. I think standing up, I think that the pressure game going forward, I think he's a better striker, and I think off his back, he could he he's dangerous off his back. So ah, uh, listen, uh, Tony has all the tools to beat. You know, I think his striking is a little bit better, and then you know I've no doubt Khabib will probably get him down, but it's what Tony's going to do off his back. He's going to throw up submissions. He's going to yeah. elbow him from, from the bottom. And I just think Khabib's probably never felt... It's, it's likewise. Like, like Tony's probably never faced a good grappler. And Khabib has never faced someone as good on their back or striking. And plus, you know, when you talk about condition and pace, I think gonna say, nobody yeah. has as good as pace as Tony does, you know? He gets stronger. Like, he yeah. just... Like, you see the, the fight against Cowboy... He kind of yeah. he, he started slow enough in kind of in the first yeah. round. He probably won it, but then it's just like got got picked up the pace. He kept coming forward, kept and coming. He just forward. grew into it, didn't he? Yeah, and you see, he did the same to Pettis. Like it, that yeah. was just, just he walked in down. So I think come the the fourth or fifth round, obviously if it goes that far, I think Tony will be the stronger, especially because you've seen Khabib like tire against uh, Alec Quinn, and even yeah. against McGregor, like he lost the third Definitely. round and then came back. Strong in the strong in the fourth round, yeah. But definitely does definitely does tire. So, I think if that happens against Tony, I think Tony will. Uh, I think Tony will take it. But like my my initial thought was a uh, could uh, be by decision, five round decision. I thought Khabib was going to get him down and be able to control him there. And although Tony would be dangerous off his back, Khabib would sort of, you know, eventually pass the legs and just cement the top position. But as I'm, uh, me and Adam the other day because like we have cabin fever in the house. Yeah, we watched Khabib's last three fights and Tony's last three fights, and then we we're like, right now let's let's make a prediction. I, I don't know, man. Maybe Tony. Maybe Tony. 
Yeah, it's, I, I think Tony. Well, I, I can't step off it now because I'm saying for years, like, at about the third yeah. time this fight was made, I was saying, oh, I think Tony wins. So I'm sticking on it. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the latest is with uh, location. Last thing I heard Dana White was saying that, like, it's going ahead. It's going to be done behind closed doors somewhere. But he said, it is going he, said ahead, but... he said yesterday they've decided on a, lo- a location, but they haven't, um, they haven't said, they haven't yeah. said where. But, like, I don't know. See, yeah. Did you see? I've seen. Um, it was a Daniel Cormier was on a Ariel Helwani show, and he was saying, "Get take him to China." No, China is the safest place to be. He yeah, it's like, crazy, isn't it? <laughs> we'll stop around. We'll collect all the fighters from the card, and we'll take and we'll take them to China. Yeah, and we'll fight there, and we'll fight there. <laughs> it's, like, it's crazy. Yeah. It's the Man. safest place to Speaking be. Speaking of DC, I think him and Steve are doing that trilogy fight, aren't they? Yeah, DC said that's the last one. He's gonna he's fight Stipe, obviously in his mind going to win, retain the heavyweight yeah. title, and then then retire. But that's another one I can't. That's a good fight. There's, there's just so many fights that can't oh, wait. That's crazy. But yeah. it was it was Brendan Schaub was saying on his podcast last week that uh, this could actually turn out to be great because all the cards will be stacked for the rest of the year. When they do eventually get back to fight, like all these fights will still have to happen. That's true, actually, yeah. So. It could be crazy. It could be two title fights every card. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, oh, here, I'd be down with that. Same. Same. <laughs> I was a bit disappointed. I was disappointed though to Adesanya fight and Romero. Like Do you know what? I, I I only caught it last week. I didn't watch it at the time and then I got put up on the fight pass and I and I watched it. You know, I think um I think Adesanya played the game that he not that he had to play, but he played the safe game. And I sort of don't blame him for that. Like, I'm sort of split, my opinion split on this a little bit. So, you know, the first thing first is Adesanya's going out there and he needs to win, right? Like, so the, the main priority to him is winning. The second priority is putting on a show, you know? But the main thing is winning. So, so sometimes, you know, we know ourselves from, if you've ever been in uh, tight taekwondo matches, tight kickboxing matches, the win isn't going to always look pretty. You know, but sometimes yeah. it just has to be done. If you're against the likes of Romero, who's a ridiculous, like you got serious power and he can KO you anytime. So I think you have to play a little bit safe with someone like that. But that being said, they're prize fighters and they're there to put on a show. So that's that's the op- that's the flip side to it. But um, yeah, it was a bit of a snore fest, I'll be but, honest. But but see, I also think though that there's a thing the the, the emphasis is on. Romero to push he's the challenger for the title so if you yeah. want to be champion and he has to know he's far for the belt what two three times that was his third time I think fighting for yeah, the, belt, okay. the, the championship so he had to push to try yeah. and get the win not maybe get the finish but get a win he didn't he didn't throw many shots and exactly. he didn't even try and really grapple away but how many times did he try and get like two or three times he actually yeah something like that he just he didn't so, look like he was Putting it all on the line, yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah, and so he has to, like, he's not getting a shot, not as long as Adesanya has the belt. If Robert Whitaker picks up the belt again at some stage, he's not going to get a shot against him. So, no. what's he going to do? Like, he's pretty much done, really, in terms of a title push. And pretty much. That's, how, that's how he went out. You know, I think yeah. he should have really pushed on. Well, like that, yeah, I was a bit disappointed because I thought, Ades- I thought Adesanya would knock him out in about round four. Yeah. Like Romero does start slow at times and he kind of tries to lull you into the, you know, he's kind of like he's sleepy and then he explodes. Exactly. So I, thought, I thought then maybe he might walk into something with Adesanya. So Adesanya yeah. get it, he might get him late. But uh, 
it was a little bit disappointing because Adesanya is probably my favorite fighter at the moment. He's he's uh, up there with me as well. Yeah, you know, yeah. especially for for me, I'm like, you know, it's good to see a striker who's who's made it all the way to UFC champion. So like that's I I, I obviously categorize myself as a striker, you know. Yeah. And let's face it, to be honest, it's been mainly wrestlers that have been cleaning up, you know, wrestlers and grapplers that have been like I remember at one stage. Like Cejudo had the two belts. He's a wrestler. Khabib, Cormier, you know, all the lads were were really grapple grapple yeah, heavy. Yeah. So it's like it's good, nice seeing the lads of uh, Woodley you know, and Usman had the belt. You know, you said again. Woodley and then Usman has the belt. They're two wrestlers. Exactly. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, Holloway as well. He'd be one of my favorites. Yeah, I thought. Oh, yeah, yeah, I love watching Holloway. I don't. Uh, it's not, I, I like Holloway, but yeah, I just. I had him. I, I picked him to lose against Poirier, and uh, Did you? yeah, it's not because I don't like him or anything. I just thought I thought Dustin yeah. would beat him. I thought the step up yeah. away because he was a strange one when he like, when he stepped up, he didn't really like, he didn't build himself into the division. He was like a one forty five pound fighter. He was yeah. like a featherweight who just like didn't cut to lightweight. True. Whereas yeah. the lightweights, like you know, are obviously over one fifty five and cutting down. And yeah. I think it kind of showed that when when Poirier landed those solid punches. He wasn't able to absorb them because it wasn't really they weren't the same weight. Like they were they were two different weight divisions. I, yeah. I think. Um uh, I find I find that as well. Like even on the domestic shows, there's a huge difference between featherweight and lightweight. And like some people might might say, like, ah, oh, there's only like 10 pounds, but I see it a bit differently. It's like when you go over lightweight, you're sort of considered a big guy, you know, like sort of like, you know, in, in terms of like the general person, you know, like a, or a male, like let's say when you go over 70 kilos, you're sort of yeah, in you the get, big yeah. category. Yeah. So I yeah. think so many people who are like big lads, they don't, don't want to be fighting the big lads, you know, so they're sort of, they're cutting a lot of weight to get under that 70 kilogram limit. So I yeah. find like the lightweights are huge and then the featherweights are sort of like, like they're they're big, like with the normal size. If you get what I'm saying, <laughs> I get you. Yeah, 100. Yeah. percent Yeah. So safe to say, I won't be moving to lightweight anytime soon. <laughs> no rush. <laughs> yeah. I never know now. This coronavirus, you know, once you get, you know, it, maybe Dom- Dominoes keep delivering. <laughs> I actually I checked my weight. When was it yesterday morning? I'm I'm floating in around the 72 mark, so I'm doing fine. Like you know, I can make I can make 66 on one That's one it. week notice. You know, so um, yeah. Like uh, I think I think I'll see my days out at sixty six, you know, because I think it's I'm not cutting too much. Like like at one stage I was thinking one thirty five, but that's it, that'd be way too way too much. To, that sounds sixty one. Lightweight, I think I'd be way too small for the division. So featherweight's just right. It's in the middle for me. Yeah, uh, like that as well. Adams at lightweight, so it's kind of good. Then as you're kind of True. kind of separate. Yeah, don't want to be in the I wouldn't want to have to put it out like that, you know. <laughs> He's always playing catch up, you know, those couple of months you had. Exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you. So uh, before like before obviously all this kind of kicked in and you can't leave the house, what was the what was the training schedule looking like? Like how many times it was, in a day? What yeah, was it was very busy. Like so we're I was I was trying to try my best to count the sessions. I usually didn't do that before, but I was trying to, like, because I was planning out my weeks better, so I was able to actually keep count of the sessions. They were looking, like, in between 13 and 14 sessions a week, you know, so on average, like, two a day every day. Um, 
So it's like it was busy for me because I'm in college uh, Monday to Friday. So like, well, I'm off Wednesdays actually. Um, but like I'm in college during the days, most of the days. And then me and Adam have the club as well on a Monday and Wednesday. And we have for a little while on a Friday as well. So it's just pretty much when I'm not in college or I'm not uh, doing the club, we're training. You know, and like Wednesday is a really busy day for us because like we do like a session in the afternoon, then we go to the club and then when we finish the club, we go straight out to Swords for like eight o'clock. So there's a lot of moving, moving around and, you know, they're, they're hectic weeks. But, you know, we always just say, listen, like if we if we want to have the if we want to have the club and we want to compete at this level, it has to be done, you know. Um, and like we, we love, sorry for anyone that doesn't know like I we me and Adam have a taekwondo club that we run like it's still it's I, I say it's in its early stages but um it's definitely getting there like we're we have a few competing at the competitions now uh, this last year and you know they're they're really looking good now but um I just love you know so I'm learning and then we're teaching pretty much similar stuff back to our guys you know like we always say we don't really teach in a Taekwondo fashion anymore. We teach martial arts, you know, so it's a mixture of everything. There's a bit of Taekwondo, kickboxing, boxing in there, a bit of everything, you know? Yeah. Just now knees and elbows. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, uh, yeah the it, it's it is often a slow build. Like, to, you know, you want to get to the point where you have people on the national team, like, but it has to, exactly. you have to kind of put in the hours and the time before that to get the people there and, Definitely, definitely. It's not necessarily, it's not like the, maybe the people in the club, like the, the students necessarily don't want to, don't necessarily maybe want to go to the national team. So you kind of have to, it takes time to get them to maybe to that level and then they have to work exactly. well. And, yeah, and you know, like that's something that we sort of recognise early on. We're like, hang on, like not everybody that's training wants to be competitive or compete on the national team. When you think about it, it's actually, it's a quite select few that end up going all the way through so you need to be able to accommodate for all categories all walks of life you know yeah and uh with the with so like with that many sessions and what, what's kind of the breakdown in terms of like you know maybe cardio or strength conditioning and because uh, i know you were working, so, with, been working with luke woods and stuff so yeah that's right so uh, luke woods does all our uh, strength and condition sessions like we get in about coming up to fights we get two in a week with with luke and um, Luke's, Luke's been absolutely brilliant through all this, you know, because not only does he help us with uh, S&C, but he's also, like, a couple of months back when, when we started with him, he went through this whole mobility program with us, you know. And I have been finding that, like, even before when I, when I was doing Taekwondo, like, I'm more flexible now than I've ever been, you know, more, more mobile and things like that. Even for, for like, when I'm – so when we're running – doing weights and grappling you know if, if you just do that if you did them three things you'd be strong but you'd be very very tight you know so that's yeah. why luke goes through a lot of mobility and stretching with us to keep us loose and supple because at the end of the day our style is you know is suited to that you know to be loose and yeah. then so you know we need to still be kicking high and things like that so luke's been brilliant for all that so the the breakdown pretty much two strength and condition sessions a week, try to get a run in a week, and then the rest is pretty much out in swords in, in Team KF. Now, like, not all the sessions would be hard sessions. Like, we, we change it up between uh, sparring, technique sessions, and drilling sessions. So, 
usually about three of each, you know, uh, yeah. three technique, three drill, three spar. Yeah. Three, three sparring sessions a week. In and around there. And again, like, um, they won't all be, you know, heavy uh, MMA sparring. Like, we yeah, spar yeah. once, we spar, uh, like, on a Saturday, we do our MMA sparring. Now, that's, that's the that's the heavy duty sparring. You know, you only you only come to that class if you're a if you're a fighter and and you don't mind taking a few hits. You know, because that's like that's our one day in the week where we spar quite hard. Yeah. During the week, then we might do like positional sparring, where yeah. that's like maybe a position against the wall. If, for instance, you could you could be on your on your back, you know, against the wall, and someone's on top of you, and basically you just have to get to your feet. It's a scenario, you know. And uh, so that would yeah. be a type of sparring as well. And then we might just do, we take a pick between a few just kickboxing rounds during the week or just rolling rounds during the week, something like that. And uh, it's mostly, it's nearly all no-gi jiu-jitsu you're doing, is it? Because obviously I try and... Mainly, mainly. Um, I, my New Year's resolution for this year was to actually do more training in the gi. And I got, I got back into it a little bit, but like, again, because of this whole situation everything's on lockdown, you know, so the, the gym is closed. But when this all stops, I'm, I'm going to get back to do, be doing at least one gi class a week. Ideally, I'd like two, but for like for now, I'll probably just be one, especially coming up to fights, I'll, I'll just do one. But uh, yeah, I've been getting a, a ton of no gi grappling in. Like, uh, Chris is the MMA coach out in Swords, but Tom King as well is the jiu-jitsu coach. And Tom's, yeah. like, Tom's a black belt. He's been a black belt a long time. And his level and, uh, technical ability in jiu-jitsu is it's second to none I've never actually seen anything quite like it at that level you know it's my first uh, sort of grappling instructor to have and he's absolutely amazing and I think another thing that's that's really good about Tom is he's still actively competing so yeah, was, you know I was on, I'd be on Twitter and there like yeah. last year and early, it felt like every it was like every weekend he was like oh yeah another gold medal picked up here this weekend yeah. so I, was, I was like Gee, he seems to just compete every week He's competing all the time. And I think his idea behind it is like, you know, so like the things that he's teaching us, like he's basically, he's on the front line competing. He's seeing yeah. what's working, what's not working, coming back to us and relaying that information. So, you know, I know the information that we're getting off him. It's, it's stuff that works and it's stuff that's very relevant as well. So Tom's, Tom's a brilliant coach. And in terms of the, in terms of sparring then, how does like, is there, just everybody comes along and you spare like from like you said the maybe the bantam weights fight with the light heavyweights or is it kind of divided down like um, okay, kind of you guys will go over here the bigger guys will go there or does it go like oh you guys come at this time to the gym and other guys will come the heavier guys maybe to a later time or yeah so what's happened recently is especially in the last a uh, couple of months to a year the gym is after really grown in size and the, the mma team in particular so um what chris has done now is um, he'd be like maybe lightweights and under are training at so, so like we'd all rock up to train the whole team but uh, let's say lightweights and under are on now and we do all our rounds and then the welterweights and higher are on now because yeah. it like I said the team is big enough to do that now you know so yeah. the likes of Ian, Gary and James and all sure I learned from sparring the lads but Let's be honest, the lads could just ragdoll me if they wanted, you know. So um, yeah. I do train with them the odd time, like in the classes, but I never, uh, it's actually quite rare where I'd spar the lads, you know. I'm, I'm always sparring. 
the heavy side spars like lightweight to welterweight, you know. So um, yeah. and then I spar with the we for some reason in our gym it's funny we have a bunch of bantamweights and featherweights like uh, we have a lot around that like myself included we have a lot of lads there and then lightweights we have a couple Adam and one or two others and then we get more than welterweight middle light heavy there's a good few of them as well so it's sort of perfect for me and it's perfect for them Adam's somewhere in the middle so sometimes Adam just gets thrown in with the bigger lads you know ah yeah it's yeah, yeah. obviously when you turn up to like a squad session for taekwondo, you could spare you, everybody. Just spares everybody, mm-hmm. um, because like that, it's only two minutes, and it's like yeah. you can get away with sparing the bigger guys for exactly. Like, yeah, so the, like, like we know the pace is a little bit different you know? there. Yeah, yeah, you have to be a bit. I think maybe obviously you have to be a bit more structured with your MMA sparring and where you, where you get your rounds because like exactly. that. Yeah. Now that being said, like every now and then, let's say if uh, if there's if we're just doing a sort of easy session or something like that, if we're doing a bit of light sparring, like Chris will jump in and spar me, you know, yeah, like yeah. that that's the thing with him. And that's why, that's why he's so good. Like, because you know, he's never, he's never out of training for, for so long. Like be it, like he's still jumping into the positional sessions with like James and Ian and things like that. So that's why when, when he announced his comeback, everyone was like, Oh, like Chris Fields is coming back. But like to us, it was just like, He's training day in and day out in the gym. You know, it makes sense for him to come back because, you know, he's still razor sharp. And I actually think he's gotten better over the last year because just things that he's trying out with, he's just getting better in the gym again. So it's brilliant. Yeah, I suppose he's had that layoff where he hasn't had the pressure to maybe get ready for a fight. It's just like that jumping in, just try and improve, try stuff out. It's Exactly, yeah. Like that's, that's, a, that's a good time. And it's not a long time that most fighters have, you know, because most fighters are thinking you know, fight and then have a little rest in between. And then it's like, when's my next fight? But with Chris, he's like, he's teaching the gym, he's coaching the lads, but he's also trying a lot of things out. So he he had time to improve his own game. And so that's why I was so looking forward to seeing him now next month. But, you know, so again, when when all this blows over, I can't wait to see him in action. Yeah. Because um, I'd, I'd love to see him. And I would love to, maybe hopefully it still happens on the UC Dublin card because yeah. like, he's he's... He was obviously in the Ultimate Fighter and was so close to making it, and maybe should have That's been right. on the maybe should have been on the card. So especially when you saw the other guys made the made the cut the last time, mm-hmm. and like that, he, like that Cage Warriors champion, like just guys who had haven't got that pedigree who have been taken to the exactly. UFC. So I think it's, it'd be great if he could uh, if he got to go into the card. Big time, he's you know he's been there and done that, and like like we say, he, he's an OG of Irish MMA. You know he's been there from the start with it with all the lads. And like and, uh, I'd be if um, if if I was just thinking even if maybe if it worked out that Ian was on the card as well like if you could have maybe that would be good wouldn't it or, or yeah it would be good yeah or, yeah say maybe James Webb doesn't get picked up by then as well like so you could have a couple of guys from the gym on the exactly. card exactly you know so uh, that's that, why there's, there's so the many gym. the three lads like so Chris James Ian like they're they're thereabouts I think for Ian maybe uh, Ian's gonna have a couple more fights I'm not I'm not too sure what the story is but. You know, yeah. he's three and oh, and I think he'd like to have a few more. But you know, then again, if they came knocking, I know for a fact Ian wouldn't say no. You know, I can I can tell you now that he'd be on that like a light. But um, I don't know. We'll just have to see what happens there. And, uh, well, what did you make of the main event they were looking at for the Dublin card? Uh, so that was Robert Whitaker and Darren Till, wasn't it? Yeah, that's a serious main event. Savage fight. Because um, if you're asking prediction, I'm saying Darren Till. 
Uh, I think so too. That would be my initial pick. Yeah. Would be down to. Don't get me wrong. I love Whitaker. Like he's he's a real. Um, I always say about Whitaker. He's an honest fighter. You know, he doesn't yeah, really yeah. does do the whole trash talking party. Just gets in and you know he puts it on the line every time. I think uh, Till's gonna be a little bit too sharp on him. Um, he's again. He's he's got sort of that Adesanya style where like he'll be taller than Whitaker and a little bit longer with the reach. So I think he'll be able to keep him out at distance. I see it going a couple of rounds. I don't see Till getting him out of there early, but I definitely see, uh, see Till definitely uh, getting the win there. Yeah, I think yeah, I think Till would definitely have the. I think he definitely have the advantages early. I think if it starts to go a bit later, I think Whitaker might come into it. But yeah. uh, but even like, I would imagine like, Till's a bigger Till's a bigger guy than Adesanya. Yeah, you would. Yeah. I would imagine he would have more power than Adesanya. Yeah. So I think that that could play a part. And even he, he leg kicks a bit more, I think, as well than kind of Adesanya. He does. Uh, personally, I'd love to see uh, Darren Till and Adesanya. That'd be a good fight. Good, a good yeah. stand-up match. Yeah. Then again, though, I'm sort of thinking it could be almost like Till and Wonderboy, you know? Uh, because the both of them are very high-level strikers. They could almost cancel each other out a little bit. And it could be a little bit standoffish, but... I'm not too sure. I'd love to see them just both going at it, but Hello. I don't know. It'd be a good yeah. fight to see. See, I think Adesanya comes from the more full contact kickboxing, whereas like That's you know, right. Wonderboy has the very point style sideways stance. Sure. I think I think Adesanya would look to I think he'd look to engage a bit more. Yeah. It would be an interesting Wonder, one. Wonderboy is exciting, but it kind of his style because it's that sideways, it can be sometimes uh safety first. Like he doesn't yeah. really like he doesn't like sit in the pocket to counter. It's gonna you know he'll make you miss and then pop back straight away. I think for for Wonderboy style to be really effective, he needs people to come at him. You know because yeah. he sort of yeah. he sits in that L stance a little bit and he's got that lead leg like. And when people come at him, he's just gonna pick them apart. No, like I would not advise anybody just charging him. You know, but when we look at the the people who beat him, like uh, Till and Woodley beaten uh, that time. They were sort of stand off with them, and then when they do come in, they sort of explode in, you know. So um, I think that that's that's the little gap with Wonderboy style. But that being said, he's he's very good at what he does, you know. Yeah, he 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 had a fight schedule there recently, isn't he? I think it's cancelled now. Who was he? For? Don't I think so? But last I heard, they were. I think they were trying to set up him and Colby Covington. That'd be good. Ah, uh, that's the one. I think. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And because he was at the the fight con and he said that he'd like to do that the fight con Ireland thing down in Cork. Ah, uh, that's where that's where I heard yeah. it. Yeah, like to see that. Talking, they were talking to him, Covington and Woodley. With, oh, that'd be a nice one as well. With, with, with Leon Edwards out, they had a bit of a last week, a bit of a spat back and forth. I'd love to see that yeah. fight as well. Uh, so, um, so, you're talking before we finish up. You're talking pff, yeah. one more amateur fight and then pro end of the year. Is that the plan? That's the plan. Um, so again, you know, we don't know when everything's going to go back to normal, provided that hopefully it does sharpish. Um, I'd like a fight maybe June or July, amateur fight, and provided I win that then, turn pro soon. And then probably, you know, have a fight with Cage Warriors by the end of the year and, and sign to them. Again, if everything went well, that's, that's how I see it going. And then from there, it's just a matter of, you know, you're at the bottom of the mountain and the Cage Warriors belt is at the top. You know, it's it's on you then. You know, if you beat everybody yeah. in your way, you're gonna get there eventually. 
it's quite a good talent pool and cage warriors, you know, that, that's one thing. I'm glued to every single show that's on. I'm watching all the fights and it's it's a it's a pretty high level. I haven't seen anything yet where I'm like, I'm not near that level yet. You know, I think I'm there and especially by coming into the end of this year, into next year, I definitely think I'm gonna be there. Savage. So uh well actually two more questions, so just a quick fire. No about a fire away. Uh Favorite fighter of all time? Any sport? Any any martial art? Um, Floyd Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather. Any yeah. particular reason? Purely or, just. Or does Floyd Mayweather speak for itself? <laughs> Floyd Mayweather speak for itself, but I'll give a few reasons. Um, the the defensive skill that he's displayed over over his whole career, like I just find him. Um, like, sure, like, we all love a barn burner of a fight. Like, don't get me wrong. We all love seeing people swing down. But, like, seeing Mayweather slip and roll shots, I could watch it 24 hours a day. Like, it, it, I literally wouldn't get tired of watching it. It's amazing. Um, and, like, I, I, I can recognize the amount of time that's gone into that. Secondly, um, how long his career has gone and, like, how dominant he's been over the years. Like, so I think it's, he started his pro career in 96. And that went right through till I suppose, the, the McGregor fight, if you want to count that as well. But um, he's been dominant. Don't get me wrong. He's been pushed over the years. You know, a few, a few very close calls. Maidana, De La Hoya. You know, he's had some very close fights Mostly. over the years. But uh, there's never actually been a fight where I'm like, oh, no, he didn't win that. He's won every single one. I'm confident of that. And, yeah, just the, just the pure dominance and, and, and how he did it. That's why. And the uh, last one. So, favourite fight of all time. Again, any, any sport. Any martial right. art? I see. I yeah. I seen someone had that up. Was that? I think uh, Johnny, Johnny Duggan had Johnny, that up recently. Yeah. Got me. Got me. Got me thinking. And got you thinking. So yeah. So right. that was. I have a few candidates here. Um, I know. That's why I wanted to ask. <laughs> Anderson Silva and Michael Bisbing is up there. Okay, different. Very good. Uh, Lawler McDonald, the second one. Okay. Yeah. That's up definitely there. up there. Um, what else? Can I pick a boxing fight as well? Any fight, any sport, any match. Okay, any uh, Hagler Hearns. Did you ever see that one? Yeah, three rounds. Yeah. Even what? though it only lasted three rounds, the war they call that one. I remember my dad showing me that fight when I was about twelve, and like I just been, I loved that fight ever since. And I, I, I go back and just watch it every now and then. Do you know why I love that fight so much? It's because um, Hagler, like ha- Hagler and Hearns, that was scheduled to be a fifteen-round fight. Yeah. And Hagler came out like the fight was, la- was going to last two minutes. You know, he just came out to absolutely destroy him. And I just thought, like, the, this, like he, he was so gutsy to go out and do that because, like, if he hadn't have been able to finish Hearns, surely he was going to get finished because nobody yeah. could keep and then that he, pace And then he, got the, then he got the cut. He, got, he got the cut it, as well. Uh, they were going to stop had it with it in his mind. Yeah, yeah, he just had it in his mind that he was going to finish him first. And it was just that killer be killed attitude, and uh, he got it done. So that's why I love that fight. Uh, another one, uh, one, another one of my fights, and you know, a lot of people are always like, "Ah, oh, that's that's a bit, you know, that's an easy one." But McGregor and Diaz, the second fight. Yeah, it's I love that one because, yeah, because and mainly because when you look at what Nate did to Connor only in the March previous, you know, yeah. like I think the the easy option there for someone was, you know. I oh, know I'm t- I'll fighting, but like it's not going to happen for like a year. I'm going to have it down at 155, everything to suit McGregor. But he was like, no, he did it. What? So April, May, like five months after, he got to five yeah. months. 
at the same weight, you know. So I thought that was very good to see by McGregor. And again, in a five-round war, which he came out on top of. So uh, that, that, that was, that's definitely up there for me as well. And if you have to pick one? High Glenn Hands. Nice. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. For me, uh, for, I would have picked for boxing, it would be... I have to kind of I have a I have a lot, but I had uh, okay. Morales and Barrera won. I've seen that one. That's a good one. Great fight. Yeah. And uh, Shogun and Dan Henderson won. Henderson. Well, have you seen the two of them? Two of them are amazing. I've seen the second one, but the first one, uh, yeah, it would have been my favorite. Like the the fights you named there, they will be up there. I have a, a lot of boxing. Yeah. Like I'd have uh, Julio Cesar Chavez and Meldrick Taylor won. I love that fight. Uh, Castillo Corrales won. Have you seen that one? No, I haven't seen that one. Diego Corrales. Uh, you can pass the time today if you have a Diego Corrales. Oh, I will. And, yeah, I've uh, got plenty of time. Jose Luis Castillo. Well, watch that fight. Great fight. Great fight. So that's up there as well. So like that, yeah. But yeah. Do you know what I'll get you to do? Write me, write me a list of four or five. Send them <laughs> on. I'm going to watch them. Yeah, I have a list of, on my phone of a couple, but I will send them on after. And yeah. Uh, yeah, so anyway, Ryan, it's uh, we'll finish up there. It's been a uh, it's been a pleasure to have you on. We, we spoke Thanks about it for a while. Thanks, Cheers for having me on. Happy to do it. Uh, is there any place like in terms of uh, social media where people could find you to get, give you a follow? Um, yeah, like if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's uh, Ryan Shelley uh, 96, and um, I'm not on Twitter or anything like that. I'm not, I wouldn't be a big social media head, but uh, if you want to yeah, follow yeah. on Instagram, you can. Yeah, all right, no worries. Thanks, a million, Ryan. Thanks, a million, Jamie. Take care. All the best. Cheers. Bye-bye.